Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast, a podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. Today, I have abundance coach slash author Claudia Noriega bursting with me. Claudia, how are you today? I'm doing great. And I love it when they say my name right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what we got to do. I, you know, I will say this. When I introduce myself, mm-hmm. I introduce myself. I don't I no longer Anglicize, you know, my Your last name. name. Mm-hmm. I say my name is my last name is Yanyes, and they're like what Yanyes, and they're like what Yanyes. It's very like if you can say these very complicated European names, you can exactly. say our names, right? Exactly. I mean, I've been called like Claudia, 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 Claudia. I'm like, I give up, you know. And then the Noriega, forget it, you know. Noriega, Noriega. Okay. <laughs> I even get. When people anglicize my name, Yanez, Yanez, Yan, and I'm like, oh my gosh, literally don't say it this way, but it's Yanez. Like it's not, right, I right. feel like people always try and make it so much more complicated than it is, but it's not Yanez, mm-hmm. it's Yanez. So it's Yanez. Yeah. You think, you amigo, I have a friend, Gustavo Yanez from school, and that was his last name, you know? So I was very familiar with your last name when I read it the first time. I'm like, how come there's not the Enya? You know, they, they write it with an N, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I have my Enya in there, so. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know. Well, let me go over your bio because it was very, I cut it down a little bit and it's still really long because you just have so much. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, Claudia is an artist, writer, philanthropist, abundance coach, mentor, mother, and wife. Yeah. During her career as a journalist, she has worked for magazines and televisions in South America and the U.S., touching on subjects from parenting, forgiveness, and growth to political issues. She started her career on television at 17 years old as an actor, appearing in one of the most popular telenovelas called Carmen. 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 Airing airing in over 37 countries, as well as miniseries and important advertising campaigns in South America, like Levi's. Yeah. Soon after, she moved behind the camera and at 21 became one of the youngest producers in her country, where she wrote a manual that was later used to train other young producers. Born in Peru, she comes from a culture of taboos and beliefs that had not always empowered her to become what she believed was her calling. In the process of self-discovering, she fell in love with herself again and found her passion for helping others. 
She's involved in several charities and has a soft spot for immigrant immigrant children. She received the Community Ambassador Ambassador Award in 2017 to 2018 from the UNLV Boyd School of Law and the Kids Court Program. And in 2020, she received the Volunteer of the Year Award from the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, among other recognitions for her involvement in many causes. She's in the College Board of Education and her kids' journal, I Am My Gratitude Journal, is being used in some magnet schools in Nevada. And like I said, there's a lot more. Oh my God, I didn't even know you were going to read all that. Yeah, but you know, I was like, okay, what? When I get something really long, I'm like, okay, what can I cut? What can I not? So I was like, okay, these are the most, and even just picking out some of the most highlights, right? (laughs) Is still so much. And I admire that because that means that you have a lot of perspectives, right? That you, you, and I'm sure your perspectives and different things has changed over time. You have a lot of experience. You have a lot of, you know, like you've just lived life and starting from such a young age, but I want to start from the beginning, right? Or actually before we start from the beginning, lo siento, lo siento. Lo siento. Yes. (laughs) Before we start with the chisme, antes de chisme, we start with the wine. Exactly. So what are you drinking today, Claudia? Whispering Angel. I love it. Whispering it's a rosé. Yeah. yeah. You, never, you have never tried no, it? No, I've never tried it. You're going to fall in love with this wine. It's, it's really a value because you can get a bottle for $25, but it's so crisp and so fresh and so wonderful, especially in the summer. I mean, I'm rosé all day, you know, I don't care if it's winter. <laughs> sometimes sometime I feel like having a glass of wine and I'm like, my kids used to say when they were little, I'm sorry, con excuse me, because they would put the con in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, con excuse me, but I love it. Yeah. You know, you have to try it and we can do chin chin. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I'm drinking a 2016. I wanted like I need to actually get some more whites and rosés because I've drank them all, especially during summertime. I really love them. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I still wanted to keep it light. So I'm drinking a 2016 Pinot Noir mm. from Encanto Vineyards, which is one of our Latino wine brands. I've had it before, but I was like, ooh, I haven't had this Pinot Noir in a minute. So let me pour myself a glass for today. And they are out of Napa. So yes, we can do our ching ching salud. The ching ching. Oh, yeah. ready. We're oh, starting yeah. good. I don't know how we're going to end, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I'm used to it. I'm used to it. I was telling somebody yesterday that I could easily drink a bottle of wine by myself. And I don't drink all the time. In fact, it's really funny. I did drink a glass of wine last night, but like, I think people think that I'm, I must be like a total borracha or something because <laughs> of the podcast and, you know, and I'm drinking, but I actually don't drink every day. I don't drink wine every day. I some, I mean, I could, I could have just a glass when I get home. I do home. have I a glass of wine at night, you know, and I mean, if I'm having a dinner, I love to cook. So if I'm having a dinner or, you know, meeting with my husband, I pour myself a glass of wine. He doesn't always have a glass of wine, but yeah. I like it, you know? So. Yeah. I think like, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It's sometimes I just don't feel like yesterday. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit of a rough, day something kind of got sprung on me that I wasn't expecting and it wasn't like the best news I wanted to hear Mm -hmm. so I like 
you know, my boyfriend, <laughs> yeah, I, well, I was like, the first thing I need is I need something strong. And my boyfriend's like, do you need a martini? And I said, yes. Yeah. Give me a if martini. do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am not ready. Then after that, I had a glass of wine. But at the beginning, I was like, honey, no, the wine is not going to do it right now. And he's like, all right, I got you. <laughs> and Good. he made me a martini, a dirty martini, which that hit the spot, you know? Perfect. You know, it's always handy when you have somebody, you know, that can read your mind. So <laughs> yeah, he's definitely getting better. Cause sometimes I'm like, I don't know. I don't want just, you know, you know what I like? Cause he actually is the director of beverages. Oh, for wow. A couple, yeah. So for a restaurant and everything. So he he's knows familiar about with it, right. Okay. Yeah. Right. So he's, it just goes hand in hand how we ended up together. Right. right. Like, it's so funny. Um, but let's start at the beginning because I know you grew up in Peru. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear about what your childhood was like in Peru and what um, were the things that were most valued in your family growing up? Well, I, I had a pretty conservative family. I mean, my parents divorced when I was very young. So we used to see I mean, here in the States, it's like that too. But my dad, we used to see him on the weekends. We did, they, in Peru, at least when I was a kid, they didn't have a share custody, three days, one place, four days. And not, no, it was like either you live with your mom and go on the weekends or on Sunday with your dad, or you live with your dad and that's it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they don't have those half and half. I don't know if right now they have it, but when I was a kid, they didn't. So I would go visit my dad on the weekend. And during the week we had, my mom was very strict, but we had the opportunity to have a a little more bohemian life on the weekend because my dad was a journalist, a writer, uh, I mean, uh, an artist, he used to paint. So he was very relaxed. So we got the balance, you know, my mom was more, you know, from how to eat. She used to test us. You know, the, the forks and the knives and, and, oh, and wow. what is this glass for this? And don't put your elbows in the in the table. And like formal, I mean, she was very, very, easy. very, very formal. So I had the best of both, both worlds as far as being exposed to, you know, customs and, and, you know, lifestyles and stuff like that. That in a way made me very adaptable. I would talk a lot with my dad. My dad passed away two days before my first daughter was born toughest moment of my life, hands down, I wouldn't need a martini for sure in that moment if I wouldn't be with a newborn delivering it, you know, but it was one of the toughest moments of my life. And um, so I had a very good relationship with him. He was a very insightful man and he was very open. Like if 30 years ago, I would have, or 40, 50, I'm 55. So I would have go to my dad, you know, 40 years ago and say, you know, I think I fell in love with a woman. My dad probably would have, instead of say anything about the relationship, would have asked me, are you happy? That was how he would receive everything. It was no judgmental at all. With my mom's side of the family, for some reason, always I always felt I had to be perfect. You know, I had to do the right thing. I I had to be an example. And sometimes when you're a kid, that's a lot of weight. But then again, you know, when you when I think about the way she was raised, it makes sense because it goes generation and generation and, you know, after generation. And I always believe that we are the best parents. We know how to be. 
You know, kids don't come with a manual. We don't know if we're going to be assertive in something until we do it and we go, oops, I shouldn't do it or huh, this work. Okay. You know, so <laughs> I and mean, then like, if you have more than one kid, you try the same thing. You're like, crap, that didn't work. Now I have to figure out a new way. But you know what? It's good that you have a little kid and the first one, the pacifier falls in the floor and you're like, where is the la guamendita? You know, I got to <laughs> clean this thing to, to give it back to my child. The second kid, you're like, you know, and the third one is like, here. <laughs> <laughs> you so, know, it's so funny you say that because I'm the oldest of three. And I'm the only one who has a baby book. I'm the only one who has, <laughs> sure. like, yeah. My sisters are like, where's mine? And mom's like, uh, you don't have one. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, are you kidding me? My first child has so many albums and stuff. And I save all the little dresses and da 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 The second one, hand me down some of my dresses. The youngest one is like, mom, did you save any pair of shoes for me? Yeah, but those were actually the other sister because she wore them too. And, you know, it's, it's terrible, but it's true. We do that all the time. So it's that funny. It felt more natural to you because you have a form, like some people really enjoy the formality of things and they are like, oh, I like this. And they really want to continue that. So what felt more natural to you? It feels like maybe the bohemian side kind of felt more natural or you were more inclined to it, but when you think back, like for me, it was more a default mm -hmm. being with my dad because it was, I didn't have to impress him. And for some reason, I always felt I had to impress my mom. So it, it, if I don't know if you can say one was easier than the other one, but one demand more from me to be more present and more aware than the other one. The other one, I could say whatever, you know, and it mm -hmm. was okay. Um, a very big period of my childhood, we lived with my grandparents. So that was also, you know, disciplinary. The grandparents, you know, don't, because they are a generation before, you know, they're a lot more conservative. So that was a little bit of, a, you know, a struggle. The way I started doing soap operas was kind of like a casual thing. So when I, a, a producer saw me through a window and offered me a part on a movie, just like that. Oh my he God. He saw me through a window and he called me inside and he said, you're perfect for the part I'm looking for. I want you to do this movie for me. And I was, was it acting or was it just standing there? No, no, no. It wasn't. It was a role. <laughs> I was like, what? What? That's so crazy. Cause what if you would have been like, Sunk up the place, right? Right. But I mean, he offered it to me and I went home and I told my mom, they offered me a movie. And she goes, absolutely not. Because for, for her generation and at that time, I think being an actress was the same as being a una cabaretera. You know, mm. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, you, you're going to be who knows what. So no, my yeah. daughter is not going to do that. But funny thing that you said, you know, how it's on the first daughter, she saved every article in every interview they posted about me in, or they, they published in any newspaper or magazine. She had like a stack of things, <laughs> but she didn't want me to be an actress. Right. right of course. So, so I went back. I called I, I called the producer back and I told him I, I couldn't do the, the movie because my mom, my mom said no. <laughs> and he goes, oh, my God, how old are you? And I'm like, I'm 17. And he's like, okay. And I said, but I want to be an actress. So if, you know, if I was going actually 
I was going to acting lessons after mm-hmm. school. So that's when he saw me walking. And um, so he says, okay, if something else comes up, I call you. And I said, okay. And you think he's never going to call me, right? Well, he did. He called me one day and he says, we are starting a soap opera about four girls, kind of the friendship of sex and the city, but with teenagers. So the first boyfriend, the school, all the, it was so much fun. So I said, okay. And he goes, do you think your mom would let you do that? And I said, yeah, I think she would. And I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, no, she won't. She's like, I was like, never, nunca. <laughs> exactly. And I am the worst liar. Like there is a game that my kids and I play in it's called Bolt beep you know i don't know bullshit. If I can, bullshit okay i don't know if i could say it in your in your podcast so i was being conservative so anyway so every time you know you play it and you say you have like a three fives you know but they're up, upside down and i go i have three fives and my kids go bullshit mom you know because when you say when you're caught up you know when you when they catch you and you lie then you take all the cards and you lose yeah so i can't even play that game but i didn't want to face my mom so I said to her that I was going to go to do all the classes that I have registered. And I told the producer that, you know, I have two more months to go to do school, you know, to finish and only come work on the afternoons. And I kind of maneuvered my way into letting me do the show without signing a contract. So he actually gave me the contract. I took it home. And every time I would go back, he would say to me, did you bring the contract? Oh, I forgot. The, oh, I got to bring the contract. I know I have to bring the contract. I forgot the contract. I'm going to bring it tomorrow. I need to make myself a note. And I will not bring the contract. So I actually filmed the soap opera three months without a contract. Every day after school. Um, and my no mom, quiere hablar con su mamá? No. Talk to your, wow. No. No, because he was, I, she's 17. She's going to bring me the paper, you know, yeah. that's okay. Plus, I always was like in a hurry every time he wanted to talk to me, you know, <laughs> I said, oh my God, oh my God, I have to go, I have to go, I have to go. And I would, you know, go. So finally, I turned 18, I signed my contract and I did this soap opera for almost, what it was, a year and something, the first one. It was a boom Everybody was in shock. What was the name my, of it? Carmin. Oh, yeah. You just we were talking about it. Carmin. My mom found out when she saw me on TV for the first time. She didn't know I was doing a soap opera. It was the big, you know, uh, how you say that? El estreno. You know, yeah. when they, 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 they start the show, the premiere of the show. And I wasn't even there. They told me. My brothers and sisters told me that. She goes, was that your sister? <laughs> We're like, what? <laughs> and she goes, you're in so much trouble. You're in so much trouble. And, but after that, I was already working. I was making my money. So I just moved out and, you know, I started doing my things. But it wasn't, it wasn't very welcome to be an actress in my family. Wow. That is so crazy. I and can't my believe dad knew, you knew my that. My, oh, my dad knew, yeah, because we they had rented a huge house in Barranco, which is a, a place in, in, in Lima, in Peru. And it was like a, like a mansion where they had, they used different rooms to make different studios, you know, the house of one of the girls, the office of the dad or whatever. And my dad lived like five minutes away. 
So I will go sometimes to my dad's house walking and he, he would know that I was, you know, filming like three blocks from him. And he will always say, be careful, you know, like he will give me the advices and whatever, but you know, yeah, he was a dad, you know, that don't think the same as mom. It's like, Oh, that's so cool. You're doing a soap opera. That's awesome. Did he know that your mom didn't know? No, I never told him anything. I just, I knew that she didn't know and nobody else knew. That oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah. Like, nah, you know, you, yeah, you really maneuvered yourself to be in those things. <laughs> yeah. That is so funny. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more wine and cheese man. Hey, mi gente. Gold Peak Real Brew Tea is here to unleash your sense of try. All right, can I be honest here? I'm not one who really drinks sodas, so if I'm not drinking water or wine, then you can usually find an iced tea in my hand. And since we're talking about unleashing my thirst to try something new, the next thing on my list is to go on a hot air balloon. The romance of seeing the world from that perspective makes my heart go pitter-patter, and since my other half is afraid of heights, it's something that I will probably have to try by myself or with a group of friends. So mi gente, tell me, what is on your try list? To learn a new language, to travel someplace you've seen in a magazine, your favorite show? Maybe it's just trying to make some time to pamper yourself. Ignite new passions and rekindle new ones. So try Gold Peak then, try something else. Because this taste is worth the try. Try Gold Peak. Okay, I'm going to spill a little chisme here. I actually met my significant other through an online dating app. Pero let's be real. Meeting someone organically or through an app can be overwhelming. But with Chispa, it could get a little easier. Porque Chispa is the number one dating app of the Latinx community and allows us to be authentically ourselves. Sin filtros, porque sometimes it's just easier to connect with someone who understands your background and culture from Go. I know for me, having a partner who is Latino makes explaining things, well, I don't have to explain because he already knows. So create your own profile to attract tu novio o novia for right now or tu cariño por vida and meet other Latinos who share your roots and are just as proud of who they are and where they come from. So next time your tías start asking, ¿y tu novio? Or they want to set you up on a blind date, just download Chispa to meet your papacita or mamacita that you can bring to your family parties. Uno nunca sabe, something amazing could come out of it. Check out the chispa and tell your single friends too. It's free. So by the time you're 20, how long did that, that novella So I was last? there 18. So I turned 18 almost until I was 19. Then at 19, I got married. Then I had another soap opera called Sanya, which I was the totally opposite of my first one. My first one was a spoiled, rich girl who fell in love with the brother of the teacher the first story was about the teacher that fall in the, the, the student that fall in love with the teacher. And the, the second secondary story was him, you know, the brother of the teacher and me. So, but I was a rich girl. He was not a rich boy, you know, and then he kidnapped me from the church because my family wants to <laughs> make me get married with somebody else. It was an arranged marriage. So he comes in the church with a gun. Déjala, déjala, you know, and then he grabs me. Qué drama. Oh my God. <laughs> you have no idea. You have to Google it. 
And uh, yeah, um, I was about to say, can are we? Can we? Yeah, they have it online? YouTube, absolutely. And I'll say, oh yeah, but it, it's so much fun. But in the second one, I was a very, very humble girl from a little aldea, with um, living with my my mom and my stepdad, who was alcoholic and who would beat up my mom, and you know he tried to abuse me, and I mean it was a whole different thing. You know, two characters so different one from the other one. And then after that, um, I started doing different campaigns, you know, for jewelry. I did Levi's, uh, which actually sponsored me too in the soap opera. I was wearing a lot of their clothes, you know, which, which was fun. After that, I did Querada Marca, which was a miniseries. It, it was kind of sci-fi, you know, like oh, yeah, a, yeah. kind of like that. It was very different too. But we all moved to Cusco for a period of time where we filmed the whole thing. So we lived there for a period of time. It was a lot of fun. And then after that, I just, you know, start working behind the scenes. So let me, when you were, get, would you like walk down the street and get recognized from your novela since it was so popular? I couldn't walk on the streets. I really? would send you the pictures. We couldn't walk on the streets. I remember clearly one time I went to do an interview on the radio and we have to go to the azotea, go to the next building and get out through the next building because the mob outside was crazy. You have to understand, we were like teen idols kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Everybody wanted to have a piece of us, of us, not us. Yeah. <laughs> of us. <laughs> no nalgas. No nalgas, no nalgas. <laughs> to the point that I was using uh, boinas, you know how you call them, what the French painters wear, you know? Yeah, the, the, yeah, and my character name was Monica, and people would sell in the street los sombreros de Monica. Quiere comprar los sombreros de Monica? Do you want to buy Monica's hat? That's how much people knew my character. So much that in 2012, I went to Peru with my husband. I did a soap opera in 2085 and 84, 85. When we went to Peru with my husband, we were at the airport and there was a girl with a name tag saying Claudia. And I go, um, so my husband says to the girl, oh, you have the same name as my wife. And, she, and, the, and the girl says, I was named after a soap opera star from Carmen. And my husband is like, hold on one sec. Babe, come over here. When the girl saw me, because they were doing reruns after 10 anniversary or whatever, when she oh, saw wow. me, she couldn't believe it. She grabbed the cash register, you know, paper. She pulled it out and asked me to write an autograph for her mom. So it, it was it's so rewarding that people, you know, after all these years, remember, of course, right now, after, I don't know, 30 years, 35 years, those generations are not the same. Sometimes I talk to somebody and says, oh, you know, I'm from Peru. And I go, oh, really? How long your mom has been living here? And they tell me and I'm thinking to myself, the mom knows who I am. Oh, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to tell one of my friends who's from Peru. Yeah. I'm going to have to like be like, hey, you need to listen to this episode. Tell me like, like yeah. if you if your mom knows her, if you know who she is. Because I, went have, I went to have dinner the other day. With a friend of mine um, and her husband, and they had her. Her husband brother is married to a Peruvian girl. They live in Rome, 
And he told her who, you know, who I was because he didn't know me from before. I knew her, but we have met. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the wife of the brother is like, I know who she is. <laughs> I was like, what? So it's funny, you know, and it's very rewarding when somebody remember from so long ago. But yeah. How did yeah. that impact your life? Because you went from literally just a regular teenage girl mm-hmm. to being a teen idol in a very short period of time. What kind of effect does that have on a teen? I mean, anybody that would have an effect on, but especially a teenage girl, I feel mm-hmm. like that is like a particular type of effect. Because I went to do another soap opera that wasn't as popular. And then all the things, it was like I have a soft landing into the incognito. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I didn't do a lot of very big productions or very big shows for people to keep remembering. So it was kind of like little by little, I start stopping. Is that how you can say that? Um, To do it. And then I found passion in producing and I started, you know, my husband was a producer. So I started learning from him and, you know, doing other things. But I think uh, my goal was always to be a mom. And I was very clear in my head that the day that I decide to be a mom, I was not going to be an actress anymore. That I had already got it out of my system. It was great. I enjoy it. It was an experience, but that chapter was that chapter. And in a way, a lot of parts of my life, a lot of things that I have lived in my life have been like that. I mean, I I had the privilege to do a lot of wonderful things in my life and be involved in a lot of wonderful projects in my life. But it's usually, you know, they usually come in a way of um, chapters or waves, you know, and then when I'm done, I'm done. And I get the experience and, and, and I you know, the, the growth of, of what I lived doing, whatever I was doing, but now it's time for something else. Right. And I believe this is the first time in my life that I am actually doing a lot of things simultaneously. Everything that I have lived before has prepared me to be able to do all these things simultaneously before I wasn't doing it like that. When my kids were little, I was a mom in, in And I had to work and my career was being a mom and I have a job to pay the bills, you know, like one thing at the time. And that was my, my, the most important thing for me. And then when my kids grew up and left the house, I said, okay, now I'm going to start doing things that I love to do. Like, for example, I told my husband the other day, I'm going to publish three more books. And then I want to go around the world and I want to take pictures. And I want to do art with pictures because I have, uh, I love to paint and I do sculpting and a lot of other stuff. So I like mixed media and I want to do things with mixed media, but I already have that plan. And I know that once I do that, I'm not going to be writing because I'm going to put all my energy and all my passion into doing that new thing that I want to do. And I want to learn and I don't want to do it half-assed. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. I think. I like how you're already like you, you know what you're doing, but you already have a plan for the next thing because that's why your bio is so long. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's true. Because you're like, okay, I got something else and I got, and I think so many of us and myself included, we just think of now and 
I don't think of my next phase of life, right? Mm -hmm. I just think, okay, this is what I want to accomplish right now. This is what I would like to do long-term, but I don't think like, I've never thought, what do I want to do when, when I'm done with the podcast? I've never thought that. But do you think one day you're going to be done with the podcast? I, you know, I'm, I'm sure at one point I will be, I don't know. But why? Exactly. I mean, by all means, I'm always present. I live in the now. Yeah. I, I walk my talk. Okay. What I teach to my clients, I try to do it. Of course, I'm not perfect. I, I fall out of the well sometimes, but I am very present, but that doesn't mean I don't have a vision to all the things that I would like to accomplish. Yeah. You know, my bucket list is full. I remember when I was younger and I have a different perception of life and I have a different idea of how my life would be before I have kids. I always thought I was going to die at 35. Hands down. I always thought I was going to, don't ask me why that number, but the, the power of your mind, you know, mm-hmm. you keep repeating things to yourself. You start believing it. And I'm yeah. like, I'm not going to make any plans because I'm going to die at 35. You know, and then when I turned 30, I had three kids. And then you start thinking, well, I don't really want to die at 35 because I want to make sure my kids are adults. And then I don't want to die now because I want to have my grandkids. And then I don't want to die. You know what I'm saying? You start, you start moving the bar, you know, farther and farther because you realize that there is so much to accomplish. Yet, if I will die tomorrow, I think. I would die knowing that I give it all, that I try my best, and that whatever gifts I receive, I share them. And my kids are happy kids, and they always going to know how much I love them because I tell them 24 times a day. You know, so I mean, I'm a Latina. Are you kidding me? I grab them and punch me, you know, that's what <laughs> yeah. we do. So it's, it's a balance, as I was saying before. Yes, I want to live another 20 years, 30 years, and see my kids you know, become parents and, and enjoy my grandkids and everything. But I am very content with my life and where my life has taken me that if I die tomorrow, I think my legacy is good enough. Yeah. I love that. No, I I think that we should be like, I always feel like I don't want to die, but I'm okay. Right. Like I'm Mm -hmm. happy with if God forbid, knock on wood, something should happen. I've lived a good life. I've put good things out there. I've, you know, so I'm not afraid of death. I don't want to die no, me right neither. now, but I'm yeah. not afraid of it. Right. Right. Um, and I think there's, there's like this mindset about just not fearing death because we're all going to die one day, but why dwell on that time, right? Live the life that you have now. I want to go back to the time when you decided to move from actor to producer, because you were still very, very young. Mm -hmm. What made you decide, this is like a two-part question. What made you decide to move to a producing role? And did you feel more empowered in that role versus being an actor? Well, first of all, my first husband was extremely jealous. Seeing his wife kissing another guy wasn't exactly what he was looking for every day. (laughs) So that was, that was a shrinking to fit. Yeah, that was not even a compromise. That was a shrinking to fit, pretty much. When um, you look back at that now, mm-hmm. does that how does that make you feel? When so, you're young, I feel like you're like okay, I want to, you know. But when you're older, I feel like we have a different perspective on something. When like I that. look back at my life, 
I see how many times I shrunk to fit. And this is actually why my, my journal is called I Don't Shrink to Fit, because this is very important to me. I see how many times I did that and how many times I allowed people to make decisions for me. And then I pay the consequences of those decisions, but I allow them to make those decisions for me. And I didn't have a voice. I really didn't, you know, and it's sad because we should all have a voice. And that's one of the that's one of the reasons why I got involved with the immigration that you mentioned at the beginning of the show, because there is so many children that don't have a voice and empowering them and helping them um, believe that what they have to say is important and it matters you know, makes a huge difference. And I didn't feel that. I didn't, I don't think I feel that as a child. And I don't think I felt that as, um, as a teenager. And I don't feel that, felt that when I was married with him. So he said to me, this is what we're going to do. And this is what we're going to do. End of the story. Same way when I, when I wrote that manual, you know, we printed out and suddenly his name was there. So I'm like, how come it's not my name there? And it's like, who's gonna, I mean, you know, you know, you wrote it. I mean, you know, you're a girl. Wait, so, so your name wasn't on it at all? No, I never made a big deal. I never said anything until many years later that somebody asked me the same question and in the same way, like, wait, go back. What? Because that woman is not this woman. Yeah. You know? And when, when people said to me, people change, I don't believe people change. I think the core, the soul, your essence is always the same. I agree with that. Completely. If you're a bitch, you're going to be a bitch when you were playing in the ground, in the playground with the other kids. And you're going to be a bitch when you're 65 years old. You're always going to be a bitch. It's in your genes. It's in your soul. Okay. Yeah. You were born as a bitch. Okay. I don't think I change my heart. My heart is still the same. It was it had a lot of layers, so it was very protected. I had a lot of disappointment, so I didn't, I didn't want to get hurt. So I shrunk in a lot of ways. And that person didn't have a voice, so didn't say, no, you don't get to put your name on there. And no, you don't get to tell me I cannot act. And no, you cannot stop my soap opera to have a rerun. You, you don't get to do that. And I actually don't talk about this. I never talk about this in, in public. You know, I mean, my friends and, you know, my husband knows that I should have. But I don't regret not, not have done it because I wasn't that person then. Mm-hmm. And I needed to go through everything that I went through to become who I am and to realize that. I think that what you just said is so important because I think so many of us, whether you're Latina, if you're a woman, but particularly if you're a woman that comes from communities of color or you're not, you come from a poor background. I think it's so, we're almost taught, especially Latinas, in particular Mm -hmm. Latinas, we're always taught to not make a ruckus, right? We're always taught. Don't be the squeaky wheel. Yeah. Like be quiet. Just take it. I will say this, and I thank my mom for this so much because my mom was like, no, you're going to, if something's wrong, you're going to speak up. You're Mm -hmm. going to say something. It took a lot. Like I didn't want to not be like, so sometimes I wouldn't and I would shrink 
And I found a lot when I work, you know, working in corporate America, I would shrink because if I spoke up, I'd be the, you know, everybody opens and turn around to see, oh yeah, of course she's going to say something. She has a chip in her shoulder. Yeah. Oh, she's the loudmouth Latina. Of course Mm -hmm. she's going to say something or, Mm -hmm. oh, she's this or, oh, she's that. So I would, I would shrink to not be that person to not. And I think it's so, so important. You're right. We have to learn those lessons. We go through whatever we go through that gets us to where we hopefully eventually want to be. Mm -hmm. But when we learn that lesson, like it's so important to realize like once you're, once you've bloomed to never shrink again. No, that's it. I mean, when have you seen a rose going back into a capullo? Yeah. There is no way. Once you know, somebody said this to me a long time ago, when you know your value, you stop giving discounts. Oh yeah. I've heard that too. Totally true. And I fell in love with that saying because it's so true. When you know what you bring to the table, you're not going to allow anyone to make you feel little because mm-hmm. you know, but you got to believe it though. It's yeah. not that just somebody's telling you, you have to believe, you know what? You don't get to talk to me that way. So I know a lot of things that you talk about is living in abundance and having abundance. At what point like through that, did you discover that? And did you start working on yourself and working on your mindset and working on having an abundant mindset that made you start like letting, letting your flower bloom instead of being, you know, shrunk up? It was a lot of years after because I've been married three times when I married my second husband and then we have kids. I was so in the moment that I wasn't thinking about what I have left in the past or the things that I had learned or how can I change? I was very present because as I said, it was very difficult moment in my life when my dad passed away and then I have a daughter and then I wanted to have more kids and I couldn't have more kids and I went through treatments and, you know, life was taking me in the right, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not that I was um, having time to ponder what were my lessons in the last couple of years and how can I apply them to my life now? Right. It wasn't until my reality crashed in front of me, the life that I thought I had wasn't the life that I had. And my husband was an entertainer. My ex-husband was an entertainer and he was playing and it was very hard for me because he was a great husband to me and he was a great dad to my girls. But That was a moment where I had to look at myself in the mirror and say, "Uh uh-uh, this is not for me. Somebody one long time ago said to me, you need to look the other way. Every man cheat. That's what she said to me. Every man cheats, but you have to think you are the church. You are the cathedral and the other ones are the little churches. That's what she said to me. And I said, dude, I'm a small town girl. I don't want a cathedral. I'm going to be the only freaking church in miles. Okay, so don't don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. And when that happened, I had to make that decision. The easiest way for me would have been like, look the other way. This man loves me. He gives me a good life. We have a good relationship. You know, we have three daughters. I'm just not going to I'm not going to look back. I'm just going to keep on going. Yeah. But I didn't think I deserved that. And I think I got a point in my life that I didn't want to shrink anymore. And I didn't want to take leftovers anymore. And I want to be 
the driver of my life and I want to make the decisions I wanted to make. And if that means working three jobs or moving to a smaller place or having a used car instead of a new one. And, and you have to think from the lifestyle that I had when I was in Peru to that, it's like un abismo, you know, it's like so far apart. But the price that I would have to pay by staying in a relationship where I had no more trust and I didn't feel value in my standards or a priority in my standards, it was too high. I didn't want to do it. So I made a decision. They were two very, very hard years because he wasn't on board. He couldn't believe it. He says, you're going to come back. You are going to come back. You're not going to be able to make it on your own. Why can't you just get over it? I'm never, this is never going to happen again. I love you. Why can't you just, and I said, because I can't, because I have three kids that are looking at me and I'm their example. And I never want my kids to feel that they have to stay in a situation they don't want to stay in. No, you know, setting that example is because so many people, you don't realize the first example of how a relationship should be comes from the people who are raising you, right? Yeah. So it's usually your parents. If you don't live with your parents, it's your guardians or, you know, whoever is the, whoever that those people are. Mm-hmm. And whether you realize it or not, kids are looking at that relationship to All the and time. learning. Okay. That's how they, that's how you show love. That's how mm-hmm. you show somebody you love them. That's how I'm supposed to receive love. That's how, and if we don't know our worth, Mm-hmm. Right. Especially from women, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't affect boys, but I think particularly girls, we see our, our mothers or our grandmothers or whatever being treated a certain way. Even if we think mm-hmm. that that's not how I want to be treated, like you're it's some, it. subconsciously. You're oh, it stays in the back of your that. head. Absolutely. Yeah. And I have to say this, we never fought. I live in in a fantasy island, I had no idea if I would be for somebody leaving a message in my answering machine, I would have never even suspect. Wow. Then, then I, you know, then all the things happened that made me realize that something was going on, but I had no idea. He yeah. was great. He was great with me and great with the girls, you know, and, and that was his argument. I'm present. I'm here. I'm with you. I do things with you. You know, it was a mistake. And I was like, no, I just can't. Yeah. Because I owe it to myself. So my kids never saw arguments, fights, never saw bad mouthing, never saw any of those things that, in you know, usually you see when two people get a divorce, they never saw that. As a matter of fact, my husband, until the day he died, he was texting me, you know, and we were talking and, you know, he passed away two and a half years ago, but we, you know, we were friends. We, we were friends before and we were friends after. So that for my girls was a huge gift. Oh, I bet. I love that you, you knew for yourself, right? Some people can forgive that. Some people can forgive that. And some people can, and I think you have to know where your line is, right? Like what is your line and realize that if you keep moving the line, I'm going to like myself less. That. Yeah. I'm going to like myself less because we are, we teach people how we want to be treated. Absolutely. And if I 
allowed something that I know in my core is disrespectful, rude, is a betrayal, whatever it is negative, and I allow it, the only person I'm betraying is myself. And when you touch a very important word, you said a very important word, forgiving. I not only had to forgive him, but I had to forgive myself because I know I'm not stupid. And I should have noticed some things that I didn't notice because oftentimes we don't want to notice, Mm -hmm. you know, and until he didn't slap me in the face, I didn't notice it. So in the process of growing and becoming the person that I am now, I had to forgive him and then forgive myself and forgive him so much that I needed to teach my girls to love him so much. You understand? Mm-hmm. And never resent that, how come we don't have mommy and daddy at home? Where am I going to go with this anger? Yeah. You know, they don't Hi, That's really that. emotionally intelligent of you. Thank you. <laughs> I was trying to think of the word and that's like the only thing that I can think of because it is, it's emotional intelligence that you have the foresight to know to not only forgive him and forgive yourself, but to really show your girls that there's nothing wrong with having a loving relationship with their father. There's that you can maintain a friendship with him. Like that just shows the maturity and the emotional intelligence that you had. But both of us, because he, for example, never, ever talked bad about Bianca. He never, ever, that's my dog. Never, ever. You better not talk bad about Bianca. No. (laughs) (laughs) He never talked bad about me to them. And I never talked bad about him to them. So, you know, sometimes when that happens, kids learn to manipulate back and forth. But when the parents have a communication, they're on the same page. The kids don't get to do that, you know? And and that was, that was our superpower. It's like, you know, hey, class. Can she go to that house? No, I don't like they, they have too much freedom. Okay. <laughs> we don't think you should go to that house. That was the answer. It yeah. wasn't your mom doesn't want you to go to that house. And I'm the good, you know, this and that. No, it was a force. And he trusted me to raise the girls with values. He trusted me. I raised my kids very Latin. I wasn't that strict, but I was strict. They have, they have schedules and they have priorities and, you know, they have chores and, you know, I raised them like that. And if they wanted something, they got to earn it. And if, uh, you know, if they wanted something that was expensive, then let's work on it, you know, make some money and then I'll match it up for you. But it's going to, that's what I did when they bought their cars. I said to my kids, whatever you have in your bank account, I'm going to match it up and then you can have your car. So you teach kids to be accountable by doing those kind of things and you teach them responsibility. So we were very much in the same page when it comes and when it came to what we wanted our girls to become. And that was very important to me. So I know you say you really started working on yourself after that. So how many years? I mean, we're always working on ourselves, right? It never stops. Mm mm-hmm. So what was the epiphany for you where you're like, oh, so oh. sorry. Yeah, that the epiphany. See, she knows. Bianca. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. No, girl, that's what it's real. Right. We know it's real. It doesn't need to be perfect. We're, right. never, we're not perfect. And the thing is that I told my husband, I have two dogs. So I told my husband, 
to uh, take one of them, but I usually bark because she's usually sit next to me and she doesn't bother. But I think somebody probably went to the door and then she's like, <laughs> "Was coming to see my mommy." <laughs> <laughs> so what was that epiphany that you were like, "Oh, this is how I like I'm growing, I'm growing," and oh wait, this is for me. This is my like working on my mindset. This is like I need to start working on the abundance aspect, like kind of what was that moment, that light bulb moment for you as you were continuing to work on yourself that made you realize like, oh, wait, this is working for me. And now I want to help other people do it. Okay. So I have two moments very important. I think one of them was like, I was very proud. So instead of telling him, leave the house, I said, I'm leaving. And I took my kids and left. I don't want nothing from you. I'm leaving, you know, typical Latin. So, and then when I saw myself, you know, in the situation that I was in and saw my children living with me, I said, okay, you know, this is going to be entirely up to me. So I have to really make a plan and move forward. That was as far as raising my kids in a happy, secure, consistent environment. So they feel that they are not lost, you know, and their security is gone. And now they don't know what to do with their lives because that's the first thing that you feel when you're um, after a divorce is like, what's going to happen now? You know, I don't have a home anymore. Am I not going to see my daddy anymore and stuff like that? But it was until in 2008, I went to, I had a blind date with my husband with my actual husband. We've been together 17 years and I had a blind date with him and we were blending family, but we're not living together. And there were some issues and I was like, I cannot do this anymore kind of thing. You know, like this is too much work. I can't do this anymore. And I called one of my friends and I said, I'm moving to Peru. I'm just moving to Peru. I'm doing my thing. You know, this, this is not going to work. And she said to me, before you go to Peru, I want you to go to this emotional intelligence seminar here in Las Vegas, this uh, Choice University is called. And I want you to go through the seminar. And then after that, make a decision. If you still want to go, go. So I went there. It was very hard because I had to face a lot of things that I didn't want to face. A lot of things that were my responsibility. But of course, when a lot of things happen to you, you kind of, become the victim and you are very comfortable in your victim place because everybody's doing things to you and it's never your fault. And I have to come to terms that some of the things that had happened to me were my responsibility and they didn't happen to me. They happened for me. And it was very enlightening. One of the things that really touched my heart is when uh, Chris Lee, which is one, one of my coaches said to me, who took your joy. And she broke me just by saying that. Because until that, I was very secure. I know what I want. Nobody can with me. I'm a single mom. I can't do this. I can't do that. And this man just looked at me and he said, who took your joy? And I started crying. And I was like, you know, I can't believe you're asking me that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know? that's, deep. that's a deep Ooh, question. Like, yeah. yeah, for sure. From that day on, I made a promise to myself that no one was going to take my joy again, that I was going to gain my power back 
that I was going to make my dreams come true, that I was going to have dreams for me, not for everybody else, because I didn't care if everybody else liked me anymore. I needed to like myself. And I thought if somebody else doesn't like me, well, you know, maybe they're going to miss out. But I am not going to work for them. I'm going to work for me and I want to work on me. Because if I am not in a good place, I cannot give or share my gift. And I know I have something to share. And I know I have something to give. So I need to work on myself so I can do that. That I so much want to do. And that was from 2008 until now. It has been a journey of learning. It's like, you know, if you have... If, if somebody's pushing your buttons, just take it as a file that is filing your rough edge. You know, don't take it as somebody attacking you. Thank you for being an ass to me because you just teach me to have tolerance. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, I totally know what you're saying because I, you know, it would be those times when you're like, God, please teach me patience or God, please teach me this God. And we think, oh, it's going to go away. And I was telling somebody, no, God just put you in places where you need to be. That's going to test those things. Yeah. Right. So if you're asking for patience, God's going to put you in positions or the universe, depending on what you know, Mm -hmm. the universe is going to put you in positions that is going to force you to have to work on your patience. They're not, you're never going to be in just a, like a light world where nothing's happening. They're going to put you in. Like, if you're like, don't want to be around crying babies, that makes you impatient. Mm -hmm. Guess what? All of a sudden there's going to be crying (laughs) babies all around. In the plane next to you. Exactly. And so it's, you get the opportunities to practice and to strengthen those things that you're requesting to be more tolerant of. So I, I totally agree with you on that. You have several books. You've authored several books. You have the journal. I don't shrink. I have actually three journals. And before we go to the journal, let me tell you one thing that I have learned in a hard way. What you resist persists. So if things keep on happening to you, it's because you're resisting it. Yeah. What you resist persists. And until you don't learn that lesson, that situation is going to come in different colors, in different weather, in different geography place, but it's going to keep on coming to you until you go, okay, I got it. Lesson learned. Can we move on now? Claudia, because- you're like dropping gems throughout this whole thing. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm listening. I'm like, oh, I could use that as the soundbite. Oh, I could use that as the soundbite. Oh my God. Like everything. I'm like. But it's so true, you yeah. know, and, and, and we don't realize. And, and sometimes I hear my clients saying, why does this keep happening to me? And I'm like, I don't know. Why do you think? When did that happen to you before? What were you doing? What is your responsibility? Acknowledge. To fix a problem, you have to first acknowledge the problem. If you don't acknowledge the problem, what are you going to fix? Yeah. You know? It's like facing your fear, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're afraid of something, the best way to get over it is to face it, to walk through it. Figuratively, you know, not whatever that is. Maybe it's walking through something. Maybe it's, you know, just putting yourself in an uncomfortable position. But if we don't face it, own up to it, like you said, if you're a hundred percent right, because for me, fears is face everything and rise. So you are on point. You know, when people tell me because I have fears, you know what fear is? Face everything and rise. That's what fear is. 
Because if you really think about it, the same emotions that you have when you're excited, you have it when you're in fear. Your heart rays, you can breathe. Oh my God, you know, it's the same thing. But you're telling your brain, this is something scary. Instead yeah. of saying this is something very, very cool, you know? Unless I'm being chased by a bear or a wild well, animal. yeah, <laughs> but that would be exciting too. Come on. <laughs> After I survive, then I'll be like, whoo, but in the moment. You know, it's the same thing. But you're telling your brain, this is something scary. Instead yeah. of saying this is something very, very cool, you know? Unless I'm being chased by a bear or a wild well, animal. <laughs> yeah, but that would be exciting too. Come on. <laughs> After I survive, then I'll be like, Woo. But in the moment, I would not be excited. I would, no. <laughs> I'd be shitting my pants. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, there are some exceptions for every rule. <laughs> so anyway, so I have this one that is, I do not shrink to fit, which is for women. I have this one that is um, the abundance journal for men. And I have this one that is for children. I am my gratitude journal. So those three are the journals. And then I have my book, Brighter Days. And, and I also... In English and in Spanish, right? English and Spanish. Yeah, everything is English and Spanish. And then I have these cards. There are affirmation cards that I have them only in English, though. You can get it through my website. So if you like the book, you know, one of my friends totally destroyed the book because she was taking it every place possible. <laughs> and she said to me, why don't you make some cards? And I go, okay. So credit to her. I found somebody that could do it. So I only have 50 cards. It's 88 lessons, but I only did 50 cards of my favorite lessons. And, you know, they have been pretty popular. So make yourself, I love that. I need a new, make I yourself a priority right there. Oh, there you go. I like that. Yeah. We have to make, look, the, the thing is, is, you know, we tend as women, we tend to give, give, give and not stop for ourselves. And oh, I think burning, so many burning toast. Yeah, I think where so many of us are learning, like we have to, you know, you have to take care of yourself. Now I'm in a position where I'm, you know, I'm not married. I don't have any kids, but I still find myself giving to everybody else. Right. Mm -hmm. And even in that sense, I've had to learn like how to say no, how to take care of myself first, because if I can't take care of myself first, then the things that I want to celebrate with my friends and my family, the things that I want to give to them, I can't. And I've learned that. And for the first time, I'm really excited because by the time this comes out, I'll already be back from this trip. But, you know, I get to do something big for my nephew for the first time. And I'm getting, I'm taking him on a trip to New York for a week. Oh, wow. For his graduation. That's awesome. But I think it's because I've learned the things that are important to me. Mm -hmm. I've learned like all the priorities. of these. Yeah, I've, I've learned the priorities. I've learned and, and money management is part of that, right? Learning where I'm willing to spend my money and learning where I'm not willing to spend it. Mm -hmm. Not being all like crazy like I was when I was a kid with my money. Right. You know, when I'm in my 20s, I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Here, here, here. But we have to learn those things of what's what for us, what's going to be priority in our lives. So we can give back to the people that we love mm -hmm. that we can do the best job that we can do in our work. What are the things when people come to you and you work with people, mm -hmm. what are like the top three lessons that you want to make? I mean, I know everybody's different, right. right? What are like kind of the top three things that you try and focus on first before 
or or maybe what are the top three questions you ask somebody before you even get started on working with them? Well, I usually have a discovery call with them. And in the discovery call, and I'm going to be totally honest, and the discovery call is not only to meet them, but it's also important to me to see if there is some sort of chemistry. It only happens to me once that I told a client that I didn't think I was the right person for her. But beside that, you know, we usually have chemistry and we're usually fine. But in the discovery phone call, I ask them, first of all, what is abundance for them? Because I want to make sure that we are on the same page. And a lot of people think that abundance are just cars and houses and jewelry and purses and shoes. That's not abundance. So, you know, you can have abundance of, 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 of love or health or of friendship of a lot of other things and just being alive, you know, you got to value those things. Then I ask them, what are they grateful for? Because I want to know if they're acknowledging what they do have. Right. And I think it's very important to wake up every morning and be grateful, you know, for another day, for the blessings you have, because you have somebody that loves you sleeping next to you because you have the bed for yourself, whatever it is. But be grateful for that. And the third question that I ask them is, what's your why? What's your why? And they oftentimes answer me right away. And then I ask them again, why? And I ask them again, why? Because when you get to the core of why you do things and really are authentic with your answers, then you start healing and then you can have a plan and then you can move forward. But before those three questions, you could be stuck and you don't even know because your perception of your reality might be totally different than what your reality actually is. So with those questions, I kind of open a can of worms, you know, and they start like, well, you know, because the first thing they tell you is there's nothing wrong with me. So why do you need an abundance coach? Right. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, well, you know, I'm curious. I'm like, okay, let's have a talk. Tell me what is abundance for you? And that, that's how the conversation flows. And you will be surprised. By the end of the conversation, even the attitude, the walls come down. They're more willing to be vulnerable. They're more open to share their fears. You know, they're more available to suggestions. Because that's another thing. You, if, if somebody doesn't ask you for, a, for a advice and you give it to them, then immediately are like... What did she think that she had it all figured out? <laughs> you know, I don't. I learn every day and I messed up a, a lot. And I tell my kids all the time, it's okay to make mistakes. Just don't make the same one twice. Okay. Make new ones. <laughs> like every day. Right. That's what our life should be of making mistakes and learning from our mistakes and learning because look, none of us are perfect. None of us have it all figured out right away. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's sometimes we have unhealthy my um, unhealthy mindsets or unhealthy opinions or because of what we grew up with. Exactly. And but if you're open to learning and to growing, that's what life should be. You should never, like I always say, and I know a lot of people have said this, but it's definitely like, I'm, I will be learning until the day that I die. Me too. I'm right with you. I'm right with you. And it's so important to acknowledge that you don't have all the answers. So then you give space to more learning, Yeah, you know, every day. So if people want to find you, mm-hmm. how can they find you? Because 
I'm like, oh, I want to go. I'm, now I'm like, I need to go get your journals. Like, I want to get your. <laughs> and get one for your boyfriend, too. Yeah. <laughs> he needs one. He needs one. It's so uh, important to be present. You can get all my stuff. Uh, well, my, my books and my journals are in Amazon, but you also can get them on my website, www.brighterdaysbook.com. Is the name of the book, Brighter Days. Uh, book. By the way, I love your Instagram handle. Uh, Cindy freaking Rella. <laughs> Cindy freaking Rella. <laughs> well, I you know what? That. We all want to be Cindy freaking Rella. <laughs> well, it just reminds me of Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, yeah I was like, yeah. oh, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Obviously the clean version. Of course. <laughs> well, you know, but when I did it, my kids were younger, so I had to be careful. <laughs> And so then I, I did a PG. Yes. And on Facebook, you have a page called My Blooming Family as well. Yes. Yes. So, so you can uh, find me there. Yes. What do you think is next? Like, let me ask you a question, like just totally, totally different from everything else. When you're not working, working with mm-hmm. people, writing, what is the thing that gives you joy? Like, what can you do that's like, whether it's goofy or whether it's, it doesn't matter. Like, what is the thing that, you can kind of unplug and that just gives you pure joy. First of all, let me tell you that I am not 24 seven. I'm 24 six because my Mondays are off. I, my husband knows he got to give me a day for me. And most of the time I don't even look at my phone as much that day. I mean, my goal is to just not look at my phone at all, but I'm a mom. So I have to make sure my kids are okay. But I love to listen to podcasts. I love to listen to podcasts and learn. I love to learn. It gives me a sense of purpose. Learning more and more and more is like it's never ending. It brings me a lot of joy and I love to pay for work. If I could live in a fairy tale, I would be a fairy godmother because you don't have to tell anyone that I did it, but to see the face sometimes, and you're going to think it's funny, but my husband get a kick out of it. When we have family coming from South America and I take them to see a show, for example, the majority of the show, I'm looking at them because I love to see their faces. I love that I made that happen for them. And I don't care if they don't tell anyone that I took him to a show. I don't care if they just say I went to a show. I don't care. Yeah. But my high and my joy is seeing somebody that is like, oh my God, I brought him to a show or, oh my God, this, this client is not in an abusive relationship anymore. And she is on her own now and she's thriving. And I love that. And when I am at home, I love to spend time with Bianca because she's my baby. Now that my babies are not here, actually, my husband got it for me when my kids went away to college <laughs> because I was like, not okay. I got vertigo, okay? I got vertigo. <laughs> That's how sick I got when my kids went away. I was like, I don't need my kids. So I love to spend time. I love to write, love my rose, you know, sit in the backyard. I have learned to enjoy little things, you know, my. My ex-husband used to tell me that, you know, I'm like a little puppy. I walk my tail when something excites me. And, and <laughs> yes, and I do. And I don't think anybody should stop feeling that way. You know, yeah. don't ever stop being curious and don't ever become cynical that nothing gives you emotion and nothing makes you happy and nothing 
makes you not have an expectation. You know, I think that's a work that we have to do with ourselves and, and cater to that and nourishing those feelings. So every time something new happens to you, you receive it with the same excitement. You know, my husband brings me a three musketeers. I'm like, ah, that's so cool. Thank you. You know, and it's the three musketeers, but the thought that he went to the store and thought of me, I think it's great. So the little things can really bring you so much joy. You don't need to have a $3,000 purse to be joyful. Right now. And again, everybody receives love different ways. So when somebody loves you the way you want to be loved and, and, and your love language is present all the time, then, hey, more power to you. Thank you so much for just taking the time to talk to me. And I could sit here and like ask you 50 million questions, but I know <laughs> we're out of time. Like, but I, I just think I just loved hearing you, hearing your story and hearing the struggles that you went through. I always think it's so important to not hear where somebody just where somebody is now, but how did they get there? Because all of us struggle in some way. And it's so important for people to say, if they can get through that, I can get through that. Or maybe somebody find, find something that they relate to. But if we only hear where there is somebody's at now, then it becomes, I feel like it becomes disheartening because they're like, Oh, well, they didn't have to go through what I went through or they didn't have to do this. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you opening up and sharing. It's so important. It's so appreciated. And I thank you for sharing this, this time with me. So, Oh my God, that was so much fun. I had a great time. (laughs) Until next time, mi gente, make sure to go follow Claudia and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.